You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and change maker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. You just heard a great original composition by my son, Asher Schreiber. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm speaking with Carrie Schaefer, who is um, a wonderful athlete and coach and has had an amazing career journey that we're going to talk about and uh, hear about your inspiration. So welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to talk with you, and I appreciate you being available. I've admired you since my son was on your rowing team. I thought you were an amazing coach, um, and we've seen good coaches and bad coaches over the years, and it's amazing when you have a, a good, supportive, encouraging coach who really teaches the kids and and guides them, and it and creates a family atmosphere on the team. So um, I really appreciated that you did that. Um, but I wanted to start by talking a little bit about your own athletic journey. Um, can you share with me a little bit about you know your sports career? Um, you know and where you took it. Um, yeah, so I actually started um, rowing when I was in high school and uh, late in high school, actually, just kind of on a search for the sport that worked for me. I was not a ball sport girl. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and um, continue on um, scholarship at the University of Virginia, um, did well there and then continued to pursue it further with the national team. So um, after the Canadian Canadian national team, right? I, Yes, yes, Canadian national team. So uh-huh. um, I did that for uh, five-ish years, uh-huh. um, kind of plugged away and worked my way up on the team. And in uh, 2016, I retired from the team, and that's when I started coaching here in Detroit. So tell me a little bit about your um, professional rowing career. You know, were you were you in an eight? Uh, where were you in the eight? And um, where did you guys take it? You know, what um, what competitions, what awards? You know, tell me how far it went. Um, okay, so uh, I've rowed pretty much everything on the national team. So um, most of my career had been sweet boats, so the eight, the four, uh-huh. um, a little bit of the pair. Uh-huh. Uh, but once I got to the national team, um, in order to make my way onto the team, because I was coming from um, basically training on my own with no team, um, I was in the single. So I changed it up for two oars instead of just one. And uh, so that's how I got back into the team. Uh-huh. Um, I raced that um, at a couple uh, national events. And- and um, won three national championships, wow. and then one here in the U.S., um, and then a uh, couple world championships and World Cup events in the double okay. and the quad. Okay. And then um, I won a bronze medal at a World Cup with the women's eight. Wow. Um, and in eight, I sat in for that boat. I think I was in three seat. Okay. So, um, okay. 
but uh, yeah, in the double, um, I was stroke for one world championships and bow for others. Um, uh-huh. And then the quad usually either stroke seat or um, two seat or bow seat. So kind of moved around everywhere, to be honest. You had sure. to learn every skill set and make yourself work. It's kind of like being a chameleon. But yeah, um, yeah. so uh, and then non-Olympic worlds, I raced um, the four and that I was stroking that boat. Okay. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I, I mean, Asher got his start rowing, um, because my husband and I rowed recreationally. Um, we started in our forties and, um, loved it, loved the sense of community and camaraderie that the workout itself was so fierce, but exhilarating. Um, I love being that close to the water and just, it was mesmerizing for me watching the oar just peel through the water. I mean, I, I could be just really hypnotized by it. Um, but it's interesting because in the last year, I've felt like, oh my goodness, it's such a hard workout. And at this point in life, I sort of wanted to take a step back and and just slow down. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the sport of rowing and, you know, what what do you see as its its gifts and almost its its challenges too? Um, so I think in rowing, it, it is an interesting sport because a lot of people look at it. Um, and if you're just to look at it and know nothing about it and you see people on the water, it, it is very rhythmical. It's very beautiful, yeah. um, very artistic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, as soon like, you know, as soon as you sit in that boat, yes, all those things are true. Uh-huh. Um, but then we're looking at um, how much work it takes to make it look that way. So <laughs> yeah. uh, like most things, it's uh, deceiving yeah. uh, when things look good. It usually takes a lot of work to get there. So um but yeah, the amount of work, I mean, it's a perfectionist sport in the sense that you will never be perfect at it. So yeah. perfectionists will love it because they will constantly have something to try and perfect, <laughs> um, yes. which maybe seems counterintuitive. But anyway, but um, it's it's, yeah, it's an amazing think, sport. It's perplexing and amazing and remarkable all at the same time, I think. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. And traffic. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. So, um, so, you know, yeah, sorry, continue. that's okay. So, um, you were a professional athlete for some of your career. And I think a lot of people dream about uh, being a professional athlete in whatever sport they love. Um, is it all it's hyped up to be or not? Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, what, what was that like in reality? Um, yeah, national team sport, you really, I mean, you have to be, obviously you have to be made for it in some sense of the word, or at least want to put in the work. Um, you're challenged every day and, you know, there's days where you feel like, what am I doing this for? Um, <laughs> what, you know, what, you know, what, like I seem to be failing more than I'm succeeding, uh-huh. but um that's kind of the beauty of it and that's what being on a national team in high level is all about in a lot of ways we're looking for those tiny little changes and most days you're you're just working on getting yourself so that one day of the year you are able um to perform at maximum and hopefully better than another team um so i think i mean it really, de- I, it's hard a question to, to answer, I guess, yeah. if it's all typed out to be because um, it's an amazing experience. Uh-huh. And for anyone who can get that experience, um, it's very worth it. Um, yeah. But it's, 
but it's not for everybody either. Like, you know, and I think one of the first lessons I learned, and maybe this is slightly off topic, was, you know, we put people on pedestals and um, athletes, you know, famous people in general. Yeah. But then once you get into that circle and you meet people in that circle, they're normal people and they do extraordinary things, but, um, they have lives too, and they have to balance all these other things as well. And, and there, and there's definitely great things that come out of it. But, um, I think that was a a great thing for me to learn right from the get-go is, you know, these people are normal people. And now that, know that I still have people that I look up to or (laughs) kind of idolize a little bit, but, um, but it's definitely a lot, uh, a lot different than just you know, yeah. um, looking at an athlete and just seeing them as this great performance. You know, there's lots of failures along the way too. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, for for the beginning of your career, you um, defined yourself by your sport in a lot of ways. Um, and then when you mm-hmm. retired, I mean, you were young. Um, how did you have to redefine yourself and find your new passion your new purpose um after leaving that career behind um you know this is it, it's actually a very good question and it's something that um sports organizations and i know canada has been really doing some research on that um both the mental aspect of it um and, and even the physical aspect of it um in the past few years and coming up with these game plan programs where, you know, they help you find your new beginning, you know? Okay. Um, And for myself, uh, coaching is definitely part of that. I think it's part of where you don't have to completely let go of what you used to do, but um, it's, uh, yeah, but um, something different. So I know when I, finished it at first it was great you have time you can breathe you're not stressed (laughs) out all the time you can get sleep like your body doesn't ache all the time (laughs) um but uh after probably a month or so I started to find that where you're you're sitting at home and you know you went out for a run or you did whatever Uh and then you're like well what else do you do and um (laughs) my husband was very supportive in that sense that uh, he was there when, you know, I'm just in tears, like, who am I and what am I doing and how do I move forward? And, um, and, and again, like, that's when the coaching it filed, kind of fell in my lap a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that was at DWRA and I started coaching with the Anchor Bay um, swim team as well. But, um, and, and all of a sudden the purpose was no longer about me and what my selfish ambitions, because that's honestly professional sport is very much about being selfish and, and it's okay in its moment. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it became not about me anymore. It was about, okay, what can I do? What, what skill sets can I give to these athletes? And what did I learn from, uh, my years, you know, what kind of things. And, and a lot of them are life skills. Um, right. you know, most of the kids I coach are not going to the Olympics or may not even, you know, be on a junior team or whatever, uh-huh. but they can learn a lot um, sure. from you know the things they have to do in order to to make themselves the best they can in their sport. So yeah, um, I don't know if there's that very well, but <laughs> so no, no. So you're you're coaching rowing and coaching swimming, um, and rowing is the DWRA, the Detroit Waterfront Rowing Association, um, and your swim yep. team is Anchor Bay. Is that right, Anchor Bay High School? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I coached the two high school, the boys, girls, and then I had coached the middle school team. So. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things I've noticed as a parent of athletes is that, um, you know, there are times when, um, the team wants to win, but then 
more often mm-hmm. it's about get, reaching your personal best. Um, and I think swimming and rowing are, um, I mean, obviously you can win, you can medal and you can, um, come in first or second or whatever, but more often than not, you want to beat your own time. You want to perfect your strokes. You want to, um, just improve. And, um, mm-hmm. that makes it attainable and accessible for so many athletes because there's only one, you know, first place, but you can have a better time in every single race. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, what is your perspective on coaching? You know, how do you, um, how do you approach it? How do you encourage youth to really strive to do their best? Um, tough, I guess, question. Uh, a lot of the times, I mean, I, I want to set them up for success. And I think in anything in life, you can't, most people can't just walk in and be the best. So you have to do the training, you have to put in the time. Um, so giving them, you know, the practices that they need in order to, um, uh, in order to perform on race day, uh-huh. um, putting them in situations that are similar to race day, um, whether that's adding a little bit of extra stress or what potentially could be anxiety, but hopefully teaching them that, you know, the good side of anxiety and and nervousness and, um, you know, instead of panicking when you get anxious about something. Yeah. Um, So I think it's just really practice, uh, like giving them what they need on, on every day and, um, Uh and encouraging them to every day to like, okay, well today, today was about, you know, we're just going to work on technique. I don't care what your times are. Let's take any sort of data out from in front of you. So get rid of our little computer devices um, <laughs> and forget about that. And, and in rowing again, and swimming is the same way. Uh-huh. It's all, it's very sensory. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it's, and, and they they have similarities, you know, there's the speed, there's the full body effort, um, but also the peace and tranquility of the, of the water is so, um, motivating, I find, you know, um, mm-hmm. so I want to ask you before we finish our interview, we, you know, we talk on the show about how people make meaning in their lives and find purpose in their work. I wonder if you have any thoughts about where you're finding your meaning or your purpose these days and, and maybe some advice you might offer to our listeners for how they can, you know, build a life of meaning and purpose, um, in, in whatever they're pursuing. Um, can you share a little bit about, you know, where you find that, that meaning and purpose and how others might find it? Um, yeah, I, I think maybe I alluded to it a little bit before, but I mean, making it less about me and how, I can affect other people. Um, mm-hmm. How can I can take my experiences, whether they were good or bad, um, and help somebody else in whatever situation they're in? Yeah. Um, I think it's important too to not to not. To, well, I should say try not to get caught up in um, what other people think. Someone once said to me, "It's none of your business what other people think of you." <laughs> I thought I love that. I thought that was such, yeah, I thought it was such a funny thing, but I started thinking about it. I'm like you know what? It is true. People can have their opinions. Everyone does have their opinion. Um, and, and it doesn't, that's not really my business what their opinion is. And, um, if they're going to feel negatively about me or have whatever, I can take it, take parts of it that are important. Like what is, what is they really saying? How can I be better? Um, but then not to compare myself to that. And, um, I think that's, that's part of the, part of the trick as well. So finding it in, um, you know, how can you, how can you better some help better somebody else's life or situation? And, um, 
yeah. And then remembering that, you know, it's not my business, what other people think of me. And, um, I can learn from other people as well, but I don't, I can, take it and leave it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Shake it um, off and, and just move yeah. on. Well, it's such a pleasure to chat with you. I'm sorry that we've had fire, uh, fire engine sirens in the background. Um, yeah. but you know, it's still great to chat with you. Um, I, I really appreciate it. I've, um, really admired the example you set, um, for my son and for other youth. And it's inspiring to me to see all that you're doing. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your story <laughs> and your time with me on the make meaning podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And it's uh, always great to share with other people. Hopefully it can be of help to somebody else. Wonderful. Have a great day, Carrie Schaefer. Thanks again for being here. You too. Bye.